you know, we study God's Word, we, we trust in Christ as Savior, we're called to ministry. The Bible actually calls it the ministry of reconciliation. We get to tell people how they can, other people, how they can have a relationship with God, how they can have eternal life through Jesus Christ. So we're in that ministry. Now, when we start talking about doing ministry, uh, there's really two views that sometimes I, I think about, and I think that there are two wrong views that people have. The first one is this, is that ministry is separate from our lives like we live, and ministry is something you do at church, maybe it's what you do on Sunday. So you say, are you in a ministry? Oh, yeah, I do the nursery. Are you in a ministry? Oh, yeah, I do the greeting. Are you in a ministry? Yeah, and, that, and they think, okay, ministry is what I do this like an hour a week, and then the rest of my life, that's not ministry. I think that's a wrong view. We have to understand that our whole lives are set apart for Jesus Christ. And every day as we live for our Savior. So ministry is not just at a particular time, and a lot of people think. And then there's a second thing I see people saying, is they're just not able to serve yet. You know, they're not ready yet. They say, I just need another Bible study, or I just need some more time, or I just don't know enough. And the truth is that almost all of us in this room know plenty we all know the gospel. We know, some, most of us know like the basics of Christianity. Uh, if you haven't, you need to go through the 412 and the 22 and make sure you're solid in those. But most of us know all of that. And so a lot of people say things like, oh, I'm not ready yet. This, I need to go from, to my Bible study for the 10th consecutive year. And, and, and that's right. There are people who are in Bible studies for years, and they've never done anything other than go to a Bible study because if you told them and asked them, where are you serving, where are you plugged in, how are you discipling other people, what are you doing, and they would say, I'm not ready yet. Well, what we need to realize is there, that we need a Barnabas. We need people in our lives that will encourage us to love and good works, to do ministry and all of that. So the Barnabas is one that says we are to live for Christ daily. Our lives are for Christ. They're to encourage us that, that we can do it. And in fact, the whole idea there is that a Barnabas says, you're ready. You can do it. We can serve God. I always remember to talk about Rodney. Rodney is our youth pastor years and years ago. He's one of the greatest ever. He's a pastor in... Uh, uh, let's see. That, well, I, well, I always get confused. But, huh? Yeah, but, but he lives in one state and his church is in the other state. That's why I always get, want to say it's kind of funny because he lives in North Carolina but goes, has church in South Carolina or whatever. And so, but he's a great one. But he would always say it this way. He'd say, you can do it. You know, and that, he was funny because the truth is you can do it. You can do ministry. Every one of you in this room can be discipling people and leading people to Christ and training them and serving within the church, and using the gifts, talents, abilities that God has given you. And every one of us can do it. That's why we need a Barnabas in our lives to say, you can do it. You can. Without a Barnabas, a lot of us would fail. Without a Barnabas, we'd quit. A lot of Bar Without a Barnabas, we'd get discouraged and quit. Without a Barnabas, a lot of us never even start. So the bottom line is, we need a Barnabas. And let me say it this way. Not only do we need a Barnabas, we need to be a Barnabas to other people. And that's what we're talking about as we look at this. So today we're going to talk about Abarnos. You remember the big three, relationship to God, relationship to unbelievers, relationship to believers. We've already seen the relationship to God, and we talked about how, you know, we want to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior and know Him and all of that. We saw in our relationship to unbelievers through our words and our works and our lifestyle, we want to have an impact for Christ. And now, in relationship to believers, we, we're talking about having a Paul, a Barnabas, and a Timothy. And we talked about the Paul, and the Paul was the mentor, the Barnabas is the encourager, and the Timothy is the disciple. If you remember, several weeks ago, we looked at a Paul, and here's what we said. 
All of us need someone further down the road, the one that we follow their example. They're, they're the kind of person, they're on fire, they're growing, they're studying the Bible, they're memorizing. We say, I want to be like that. We have a kindred spirit with them. We connect. They help us learn the Word of God, and that's what a mentor does. They train us, teach us, help us grow, help us grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ, and then we actually plug in and serve with them. So that was the mentor. We saw that. Now we've been talking about a Barnabas. We started it last week or last time. Uh, that's the encouragement. And let me just say this. Every one of us in this room, if you're involved in ministry now, you need an encourager. If you're not involved in ministry, you need somebody to encourage you to get in ministry. But let me just say this. Let's, let's say that all of us are plugged in, that we're serving, we're doing things, we're plugged into the ministry. Well, what happens? It's so easy to lose heart. That's why the passage says, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Now, Paul was writing that to the church at Corinth, which had all kind of problems. And yet he told them, look, be steadfast, be unmovable, always overflowing in the work of the Lord because your labor is not in vain. And sometimes you're serving, you're doing things, and sometimes you think, it doesn't matter whether I do this or not. I've had people say to me, it doesn't matter whether I come to church or not. Y'all don't miss me. You don't need me. And I say, oh, yes, we do. Everybody in the body of Christ has gifts, talents, abilities, and the whole body has to have every believer to function properly. So there's a lot of local bodies that aren't functioning very well because in reality, most of the work in a ministry is done by about 20% of the people. Most of the work in the ministry is done for about 20% of the people. See, see how the lights came on when I said that? As you see the light, do you see the light on this? Okay. Is this, is this the way the lights are supposed to be? Uh, we don't know. Did they just come on by themselves? Holy Spirit is working and wanting y'all to, to be enlightened on this. But anyway, the bottom line is uh, we've got to do it. It is so easy to lose heart. It is so easy to realize and say, well, I just don't know. I always think about this. Joshua had his Caleb. David had his Jonathan. Luther had his Melanchthon. Paul had his Barnabas. Now think about that. When you think about the mentor in the Bible, you go, Paul. Now we, we think Jesus, of course, he's the greatest one of all. But when you think about somebody that would be a person like us, we'd say, well, Paul, I mean, he discipled people. He went everywhere. He, he discipled Timothy. He discipled all these different people. But Paul would not be in ministry, humanly speaking, if it hadn't been for Barnabas. Think about that. And so we talked about this, that the name Barnabas literally means son of consolation, son of encouragement. And uh, Barnabas, uh, anybody remember Barnabas' real name? Joseph. Yeah, his name's Joseph. And, but he had a nickname. What was his nickname? Barnabas. By the way, Bar, B-A-R, the first part of his name? Bar, is, it means son. That's Aramaic for son. And so son, consolation, son of encouragement. That's what Bar Barabbas Son of the Father. That's what Barabbas meant. So, uh, there was a guy named Bar-Jesus, if you remember. That meant Son of Jesus. That's what he called himself. So, there's all kind of different things. So, Barnabas means Son of Consolation, Son of Encouragement. He was there and encouraged. Now, what we did is we looked at four things. So, we started looking at four things that the encourager does. The encourager does what? They believe in us when others do not. The encourager encourages us to grow, to keep on going as believers. We saw those two last week. I'll just quickly review those in a second. Then this morning, we're going to look at the encourager encourages us to be involved 
in ministry. And then last but not least, the encourager actually encourages us by being willing to confront. Now, when people say, I have the gift of encouragement, they say that. They say that about themselves. They say, I have the gift of encouragement. That doesn't just mean you can do it. It means you better get on the stick. This is wrong, or this is this, or you need to... The gift of encouragement also confronts. And so we'll see it as we go through this. So let me remind you of what we saw. The first one, we said that they encourage us. They believe in us when others do not believe in us. You're in Acts chapter 9, verse 27, where Barnabas uh, went and Paul came down. If you remember, Paul had gotten saved. He trusted Christ as Savior. He went to, all the way down to Jerusalem, and he said, Hey, I'm now a Christian. I'd like to be involved. And nobody believed him. And they were afraid of him because they knew that sometimes a uh, guy like Paul, he'd been wanting to kill people. But Barnabas, look at verse 27. But Barnabas took hold of him and brought him to the apostles to describe to them how he had seen the Lord on the road. He had talked to him. And how at Damascus he'd spoken out boldly in his name. And suddenly he's now connected because Barnabas believed believed in Paul when nobody else believed in Paul. And there are people in your life that believe in you and say, you can make a difference. That's what an encourager does. So for you, you want to find those people that believe in you, and at the same time, you want to be the kind of person that encourages others to believe in themselves and say, you can do it. The second thing that, that uh, these encouragers, they encourage us to keep us going on as believers. And in Acts eleven twenty three, it says, when they, th- th- there was a ministry started, and when it come, he had come, Barnabas came up there and witnessed the grace of God. He rejoiced, and he began to encourage. Notice, encourage them all with resolute hearts and remain true in the Lord. Barnabas went to where... A bunch of people had just become believers, and they were beginning to grow, and they sent Barnabas up there to encourage them to keep on growing. Now, that's what we saw the last two last time. Now, this time, we're going to get to number three, and they encourage us to be involved in ministry. Now, this morning, I'm going to be a Barnabas, and most of you in this room, you already are plugged in on something. You're plugged in somewhere. You're using your gifts, talents, and abilities somewhere, so that's wonderful. Some of you may not. Some of you may say, well, I mean, I come to church. I want to encourage you to get involved in ministry. The gifts, talents, and abilities that you have to plug in. Find a place you can serve and touch lives for Jesus Christ. That's what a Barnabas does. We need that person. Now, let me show you what what happens. Uh, Turn to Acts 11. Just flip over there. A Barnabas is the one that encourages us, okay? Now... This is, this is Barnabas. Uh, in Acts eleven twenty four. it says that he was a good man of the Holy Spirit and considerable numbers of the Lord were, uh, considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. When Barnabas went up to that place to encourage them, he was teaching them. More and more people trusted Christ. He saw the thing growing, and Barnabas said, there's no way I can do ministry well by myself. Listen, every one of us in this room, we have to say this. There's no way you can do ministry by yourself. There's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. There's no such thing as a Christian who says, I have my ministry. No, we're all connected. We all are in this thing together, and we all encourage one another. So what does Barnabas do? When he, what, what does Barnabas do for Paul? If you notice in verse 11, chapter 11, verse 25, it says, And he left for Tarsus to look for Saul. That's Paul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for an entire year, they met with the church and taught considerable numbers. And the disciples were first called what? 
Christians there. Listen, we're called Christians, but the very first place anybody was ever called Christians was the place called Antioch. And who were the two main teachers? There was a guy named Barnabas, and he went and got who? Paul. And so what he did is he went and got Paul. Look, he went, they left Tarsus to look for Saul or to Paul. And then it says, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. He said, Paul, I need your help. We, we say Saul. Saul, I need your help. Paul said, well, I, I don't, you know, I'm not ready. And you know what he said to Paul? You've been saved for 10 years. You ought to be ready. Because it was about 10 years. 10 years difference. He, from the time that Paul believed in Jesus on the road to Damascus until the time that Barnabas went and got him was close to 10 years. And that's a long time, really. And so he said, you've got to come back and help me. And so they came back, and what does it say? And they taught. They taught considerable numbers. And the disciples were first called Christians. And so this is what he does. They, 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 he, he said, you've got to be involved. So here's what I want to say to you. Where are you serving right now in this local body? Where are you using your gifts your talents, and your abilities. And ask yourself that question. Where are you plugged in? What can you do? Now, it, it varies from person to person and gifts and talents. and It just does. But everybody, if everybody had some place they were plugged into, we wouldn't be saying things like, we don't have enough nursery workers. We don't have enough here. We don't have enough here. Because other people would be plugging in. And there would be so many we'd say, well, you only have to serve once every uh, every three months instead of once every four weeks. So people need to be plugged in. That's what we need to do. So here's the thing. Get involved. Teach a 412. Let me ask the question. Raise your hand if you've had the 412 or the 22 while you've been here. Okay? Every one of you that's had the 412 or 22, who are you taking through the 412 right now? Don't raise your hand. You've been, you've been through the 2-2 and you've been through the 4-12, which are our two foundations and then the one that's the deeper one. So all of us who's ever been through those, you should be discipling someone. That, we'll get to that after Christmas when we get to having a Timothy. But so I'm trying to encourage you. That's what you need to be doing. Uh, you could work in the nursery. You could help in the booth. You could sing in the choir. You could work with the praise team. You could be with the greeters. You could help usher. You could be out front. You could, you could help with the parking. You could help with... There's just thousands of ministries. You could work with the women's ministry, the children's ministry, the men's ministry, the senior ministry. You can do all kind of things in this church. You could do a Bible study. You could help, you could help with the trine. You could, do, you could do slides. You could do all kind of things. Sometimes when people think... I'm going to serve, they think, well, there's only, couple, there's only two places. One is like you got to teach Sunday school class or something. No, there's a million places. So I'm encouraging you to do this. In fact, Hebrews 10, 24, 25 encourages, it says, let's encourage one another to what? Love and good works. So when we think about it, that this... This Barnabas, not only they believe in us when nobody else believes in us, and they uh, encourage us to, to get involved in ministry and all of that, they encourage us to grow, they encourage us to be involved, that there's one more. So that's the big three. They believe in us when others don't. They encourage us to grow. They encourage us to serve. And then here we are. They encourage us by being willing to confront. Now, we don't like this. Number one, usually the person who has the gift of encouragement, which means also confrontation, they don't mind confrontation. 
That's their gift. They don't mind telling you something. And they usually do it right because it's a spiritual gift. But most of us don't like to do that. But sometimes it's necessary. I want you to see something. This, oops, this, this, this um, uh, Paul and Barnabas, after they had gone on their first missionary journey together, they had led people to Christ. They started with Paul and Barnabas and a guy by the name of John Mark, and they got to an island, and then when they crossed the island, they got to the, the land where it's called Antioch, Pisidia, and when they got there, John Mark left and went home. And so they went through the whole missionary journey, which was the southern Galatia part, and then they came back. And after they came back, after a time, they said, let's go back again. Let's go back again. Let's go back to those churches that we established, and let's see how they're doing. And so, and Barnabas said, let's take John, call Mark, with him. Because he needs to be what? What does he need? To be encouraged. See, because he got going the first time, but he didn't make it quite so much. But Barnabas is a what? What's his, what's his background? He's a what? He's an encourager. So he says to Paul, Paul, I think we need to take this guy. And Paul kept insisting that they should not take him, who had deserted the work in Pamphylia, and had not gone with them to work. So Paul said, what? No, I don't think so. Paul, now let me just say this. At this stage of the game, I wouldn't say that Paul is the encourager. Paul is a disciple maker, and he's focused guy, and he's just gone through this missionary deal, and it's been incredible. He's been teaching. He's been a Christian for a long time. He's ready to go back, and knowing that he, there's going to be a lot of hard stuff. And so he actually says, it's probably not best to take this guy. He already quit once, and I'm just afraid that when I get there, it'll even be harder the second time, so I don't think it's the right thing. I think Barnabas says to him, Paul, it's the right thing, because this is a young guy, and he needs to go. Paul says, I don't think so. So, there arose such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another, and Barnabas took Mark, John Mark, with him and sailed away to Cyprus. Paul took another guy named Silas, and they left. Now, all we're trying to say here is that a person who is an encourager also will sometimes, if, if they think, you know, now people argue over this and say, who was right in this? Was Paul right? Was Barnabas right? Wouldn't it have been better to take a guy and encourage him and take him a second time? Or was Paul right to say, listen, it's going to be too dangerous. We can't go with a guy that's going to turn around and maybe not make it. And so uh, some people say they were both right. We know that God used this to take two different groups, Paul going one way and Barnabas and John Mark another. But one thing we have to look at is that Paul, that Barnabas was not afraid to say to Paul, no, he needs to go. In fact, it even brought that they split. Now, later on, later on, I, we got, uh, we're past time, but I got to tell you the story. Later on, you remember Peter, uh, Peter was with uh, a bunch of, uh, of Gentiles, and he was eating with them and being with them, and he was discipling them. And some Jews who were Christians came, and they were legalistic Jews, and when they came, Peter quit eating with the Gentiles, because he thought, well, you're right, I'm probably, you know, Gentile, so I'm just going to sit over here with the Jews. Now, they're all Christians, and when Paul came, he said, I confronted him face to face, and said, 
Knowing a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. And we have believed in Christ that we may be justified by the faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. By the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. You can't separate people out based on Jew and Gentile and not have anything to do with them. And he confronted Peter in front of everybody. You know, I think he probably said, well, Barnabas confronted me, so I'm going to confront him. And sometimes that's what an encourager does, that they do the right thing. So what do we see? Uh, the one who is our encourager is not afraid to say we may be wrong. And then so we've seen believe in us when others don't. They encourage us to grow, encourage us to serve, and encourage us by willing to be willing to confront. So here's two things. One, look for an encourager in our life. Get with other people. And really, these go together. You have to put them together. Let's be an encourager. Because when you're an encourager and you're, you're encouraging others, there'll be people who will encourage you. And it sort of goes together. So that's my prayer for all of us that you will be an encourager to others to help them grow, but at the same time, there'll be people in your life that'll be encouraging you. So let me just tell you something. Get involved, use your gifts and talents, and touch lives for Christ. You never know when this is going to be over. And you don't want to stand before Jesus and say, well, I, I, I didn't think I was ready. 